You're listening to the Own a 365 podcast. Welcome to the Own It 365 podcast. My name is Ben Abusada, and I'm sitting across from Senior Pastor of Grace Church, Tim Howie. Hey, everybody. How you guys doing? Well, we hope you guys have had a wonderful month um, in Scripture, reading the One Story Plan for all of you gracers who've been joining with us. Um, thank you so much for being a part of, of reading the Bible together. We're excited that you're doing that. And just wanted to... Uh, Today, we, we have, at least at the table, we're going to do a, a very brief episode compared to what we did last time. Last time, we set up the podcast, letting you know what we're doing. Today, we're going to hit some questions that Tim has been getting, and uh, hopefully, you'll uh, find these beneficial. And Tim, are you ready? Yeah, we're going to do, we're going to do more content in a much shorter time. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> that's, so that's what we're doing. But yeah, I, I've been asked over and over, hey, um, I thought we were doing the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. And I said... We we are. We had to pick fifty two stories. Mm. So, well, what about this story? So we thought, hey, what a great chance to share some of these other stories, some learning, some teachings about uh, other stories that we did not have time for, but they're hugely important. All right. So here's the crash course, right? And these are just a few of them. So the first one is the story of Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter four. You want to talk about that one? Why? Kind of maybe share why that's not in there or yeah what well, so we, we didn't cover it uh mm-hmm. but it's a hugely important story so you got uh Cain and Abel they had a very small family it was mom and dad and Cain and Abel and they had no tv they had no podcasting they had no sporting that we know about so what did they talk about they they probably talked about what mom and dad knew which is life in the garden their mistake how they sinned against God they tried to use the you know, the fruit of the ground, the fig leaves to cover themselves. And, and then God says, no, 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 that's not going to cover it. There's a sacrifice that needs to be made. An innocent being needs to die for you to, to clothe you. So fast forward, they have this, they tell this story. And now Abel is a shepherd in Genesis chapter four. Cain was a farmer and nothing wrong with a farmer and a shepherd. That's what it, most people in history were agrarian society people, right? So that's, that's what they're doing. Uh, but they had this sense at some point they should bring an offering to God. And Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, just like God intervened and brought, brought this sacrifice. Uh, of course, that picture is Jesus Christ. He's the lamb. He's the sacrifice, the innocent blood. Cain, despite what his mom and dad told him, uh, decided to bring the fruit of the ground, which was cursed. Like part of the consequences of the fall was that God cursed the ground. So he said he brought the very cursed his very best. And we know this was a faith-based moment because of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And so, so like Abel believed by faith that God accepted a substitute sacrifice blood, a picture of Christ. Cain did not believe it. And so what you have here in the, the two sons, the first two kids of, of Adam and Eve, You have the two types of people in history. Every person is either in the Abel camp Mm -hmm. or the Cain camp. The Abel camp, uh, the Cain camp makes sense. We do our very best. That's Cain. We bring our our religious best. We bring our best works. Mm -hmm. Go to church. Go to church. Be good. Be nice. Mm -hmm. Keep the commandments. And we hope that it's it's kind of the mental, uh, if you ask the average person, what does it take to get to heaven, if they answer the question, what would you think, whether you believe in heaven or not? They say, well, God kind of stacks up your good works against your bad works. Yeah. They have a Cain plan, a Cain-based plan. Right. <laughs> so if I, 
I mean, I know I make mistakes over here. You call them sins. If I bring enough of the best fruits of my life, God puts it on a big scale. Hopefully my good works outweigh my bad works. That's the Cain plan. Mm -hmm. The Abel plan is there's no way you can bring enough good works. God only accepts an innocent sacrifice, a substitute. That's who Christ is. And so for 19 years of my life, I was in the Cain camp. I was doing yep. my very best. Same. same. And uh, You know night, what I used to say? Yeah. I used to say, when people would ask me if I was a Christian, when I lived in the Cain camp, I would say, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I haven't killed anyone, and I don't cuss in public. And that, <laughs> to me, that was, that was how I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Absolutely. You were bringing your very best works to That's, them, that, too. That was my best. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the wild thing about Cain, this is the first murder in history. Uh, if you read what he what he does, you know he rises up. He's jealous. He's angry. Uh, he hates his brother uh, and murders him. And then when God comes to him and asks where his brother, he he has the most sarcastic comment in the world you could think of. But you have to remember that Cain was a shepherd. Mm. He a, literally a keeper of the sheep, which is why when Cain replies, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Like, am I the shepherd of my brother? Like he totally was mocking. The two sacrifices, the one by works and one by faith. And of course, he had the consequences of that after that. So that was a, so that, I love the story of Cain and Abel. Yeah. It's the two types of people in this world, people yeah. who live by works and faith. Yeah. What's amazing is how the commands of God at that time were, I mean, they did not have scripture. They didn't have a Bible. No. Was, <laughs> it was very simple, yeah. yet extremely difficult. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So the next one, uh, Abraham and circumcision in the law, Genesis 17. Yeah, so in Genesis 17, you have the story, God uh, God affirmed, this is after Genesis 11 and 12, when God, Abraham left uh, Ur of the Chaldees, which is in southern Iraq, and he traveled to the promised land, and that's his land that he, he would someday inherit, his descendants. And then you have Genesis 15, God takes him outside, shows him the sky, the stars, and he says, you're going to have children, as many as the stars in the sky, do you believe this? And Abraham says, yes, I believe it, and God says he counts him righteous in that moment. He counts him forgiven of sins. In Genesis 17, now fast forward again, he says, yeah, I want you to know we have a covenant together. And the way you're going to show the world you're a part of my covenant is that you're going to make sure every male is circumcised. So when the child is born, when they turn eight days old, they're going to be circumcised. And this act of circumcision is going to show the world you're keeping my covenant you're not breaking my covenant, but it's a sign of this covenant. And the, interesting, the story of the covenant, um, when you study the Hebrew word for making a covenant, it's literally the word cut a covenant. And there's a story also in Genesis that God tells Abraham to cut an animal in half. And he says, now, um, what you usually do, if we were going to make a con contract covenant, Ben, we would go get an animal in the Old Testament. We would cut it in half, and you and I would both walk together to the midst of the two halves of the animal, mm -hmm. saying that if either one of us break the covenant, that we hope that's done to us. Mm -hmm. That was a, yeah. it was a very wow. serious covenant. Well, in the story <laughs> of God with the covenant of Abraham, he's the only one that walks through. It's a one-sided covenant. Mm -hmm. there's, this, there's this burning lamp, this smoking burning lamp that's light that travels between the pieces. Abraham does not, showing that God is making unilaterally a covenant with us He's the one keeping it. He's the one doing it. And he tells him, make sure you're circumcised. And so over the course of time, the Jewish people took this, this sign of circumcision 
and made it the it's it's one of the preeminent evidences that you're a Jewish person. I mean, you're talking you're talking keeping the Sabbath, being circumcised, and dietary law is like the three, the big three mm-hmm. of what it even means to be a Jewish person. And so when so you, you fast forward again, uh, when people were becoming Christians in the early church, one of the big debates was, can you become a Christian without becoming Jewish? Do you have to convert to Judaism? Do you have to be circumcised? Which is a big deal for all these non-Jewish people, the Gentiles out there. And that you read Acts 15, there's a big council, the first Christian leader council was about this very topic. And they said, no, you don't have to keep the law. Don't be circumcised, but you should avoid fornication, idolatry, those kinds of things. And so, but Paul, so you think, what is this circumcision thing all about? Circumcision, here's, here's the key. If you look in Colossians chapter two, I love this picture. Yep. Colossians two says that circumcision is a spiritual or physical picture mm-hmm. of what happens to our souls spiritually the day you become a Christian. So when I was in the Cain camp, I was a works-based guy. I was 19 and a half years old. I received Christ. I was in Blue Springs. In that moment, I was spiritually circumcised. God takes Hebrews 4, the sword, the word of God, the two-edged sword, and he cuts away my spirit and soul, the real me, away from my flesh, my bones and marrow. I'm My soul set free from the slavery of my body. And so circumcision, which was given to Abraham, it makes a big point, by the way, you ought to read Romans 4. I mean, Paul's talking to the Jewish people, says, now, did... Did circumcision save Abraham? He says, well, no. He was saved when he believed God about the stars, Genesis 15. Only later he got that sign. And so I just love the fact that, are you circumcised? A Christian can say, yes. Mm. I've been spiritually circumcised. God cut away my soul, my, the real me, from my old nature, the, the slavery I used to have, my old nature. Yeah. That's good. Uh, man, there's so many, the pictures are incredible. The physical pictures that illustrate the spiritual side of what happens in the New Testament. Um, all right, next one. Uh, Jacob and wrestling with the angel, Genesis 32. Yeah, so Jacob, uh, Jacob, his name means schemer, supplanter, um, and God changes his name later to Israel, uh, prince of God when he follows him, which is why, which is funny because people over the years have asked, why, Tim, did you name your son Jacob? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he's just a little schemer, a little <laughs> supplanter. Uh, but one of these days when he follows God, I will officially change his name to Israel Howie. No longer Jacob Howie. Does he know this? <laughs> yes, we've talked about it. And I just keep saying, nope, you're still Jacob. You're just still a, the schemer. You're still just a Jacob. Wah, wah. <laughs> so, so in the story, what's interesting is that uh, if you read in Genesis 28, before we get to 32 when he wrestles, Genesis 28, uh, Jacob is fleeing for his life. His brother's going to kill him. He's stolen the birthright and the blessing And Genesis 28. And he makes this comment. He says, God, I don't serve you yet, but if you bring me back, I promise I'm going to start serving you. You're my, you're my dad's God. You're my grandpa's God. You're not my God yet. And, and by the way, the first thing I'm going to do when I get back, if you save me and protect me, I'm going to start tithing. <laughs> that's that's like the first thing he does just as 28 is I, I, I'm going to show you that I'm your follower by doing like the entry level financial practice of a follower. I'm going to start tithing. So he leaves, he goes away. He finally comes back four chapters later, Genesis 28 to 32 now. Now we're in 32. He comes back and Esau, his brother who swore he's going to murder him, is bringing 400 soldiers to show up and he thinks he's going to kill him. And 
take all of his family, all of his stuff. And so he divides his family, sends a bunch of gifts ahead trying to buy his forgiveness with mm-hmm. his brother. And he divides his family into groups of people and sends the, the least loved in the front, which would be terrible if you're part of the least loved right. group in the front. And, <laughs> I'd be looking around. Wait. And he sends them all across this river and he's left one night, Genesis 32, and there's a, it says, it says a man, it starts to saying a man is wrestling with him. So he's wrestling a man by himself. Mm-hmm. But it's also a picture, he's been wrestling with God his entire life and God wants to be his God. He's been resisting that. So then it says, he's not just a man, he's an angel. An angel is wrestling with him. And then it says later on, I saw the face of God. This is none other than the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, before he's born of a virgin. But the nature of this wrestling match, um, at the very end of the, of the time period, like the end of the night, they were wrestling all night. And, uh, of course, how many people have been wrestling with God, can't sleep at night? I mean, you're not physically wrestling an angel, but you're laying in bed. You cannot sleep. There's a crisis in your life and you're just wrestling, wrestling. That's what this moment represents. Mm. And... Uh, the angel says, or Jesus says, let me go. He says, I, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And Jesus puts out his hip. He literally dislocates his hip, but he still won't let go. And finally, they have this discussion. He finally says, okay, I'm, I'm letting go. I'm going to bless you. You are no longer Jacob. He, basically, he's a broken man. And your name is now Israel. You're a follower of God. And I love that story because in people's lives, there are these moments when God gets you alone and you can't control things, you can't manipulate things, you can't fix things, you're out of control. And in those moments when you're totally out of control, when you're broken, when God puts out your hip, um, that's when you fully surrender. And at the end of his life, by the way, you know, he used a cane the rest of his life. Like he, he had a limp. And yeah. Hebrews 11 says he blessed by faith, leaning on his staff, he blessed the sons of Joseph. I just love that story oh, of man, wrestling yeah. with God. Right, and just con- a constant reminder of that moment rest of his life of that time where he wrestled with God. I think there's something you said in in your in your summary of that um, that I think might people might go what, which is the angel and an angel in mm. Scripture. And I know that could take a long time, but maybe if you could just kind of summarize what yeah. what do you mean by that for people when they hear that because that could be a new concept for people as they're reading the Bible. Absolutely, the idea that that angel what that was Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Many theologians. Um, believe, and I, I do absolutely agree with this, that when you see um, the angel of God in the New Testament, well, it's an angel. Jesus has risen. He's at the right hand of God. But when you see either the phrase, the angel of the Lord, or the angel of God in the Old Testament, well, that's none other than Jesus Christ before he's born of a virgin. You look at the many stories, look back at Genesis uh, chapter 18 and 19, when it says that three guys show up to Abraham's tent. And then he says, well, two of them are angels because angels look like guys. And then it says, Abraham's talking directly to the Lord. Yeah, and that's that guy standing there who looked like an angel. And so you find there's uh, the angel Lord over and over. It's um, when you have Daniel, uh, Daniel in the lion's den, Jesus is showing up to stop the mouths of the lions. And you have the fiery furnace, the three Hebrew children. There's a man looking like the son of God. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these locations. If you look at the angel Lord or the angel of God in the Old Testament, before he's born of a virgin, many theologians happen to agree, believe that is Jesus Christ before he's born of a virgin and happens with Jacob when he's wrestling. Yeah, 
That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, one one thing, and we're going to wrap up here in a second. Um, but I think with the current events that are happening right now, and the you know the philosophy or the the core value that we have in doing this podcast is really to help people own scripture in every aspect of their lives. So that would mean current events and things happening in culture. And today, um, over the past twenty four hours here, um, as we sit recording this on what is this uh, February twenty fourth. Uh, Russia just Russia and Ukraine started fighting. Um, so, and there's I think a lot of people probably as, as believers are like, well, how? What does this mean? And how should I approach this? What's what's the biblical perspective? Is there something that maybe we can, as we exit the today's show, just maybe encourage people or kind of give people some thoughts on uh, how to how to interact with their friends or how to, you know, what does the Bible teach about scenarios like this? Yeah, I think that there's a there's a, a prayer request given to Christians for our president and other countries' leaders like Vladimir Putin. It's it's found in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And he says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2 says, 1 Timothy 2, 2, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Like we are called in this moment to pray for President Putin, Mm -hmm. to pray for President Biden, to pray for um, basically all of the leadership of this world, to pray for NATO's leaders and the UN leaders and Ukrainians' leadership, and to pray that they make decisions to help countries lead quiet and peaceable lives in godliness. For the purpose, he says in verse 3, that people can be saved, verse 3 and 4. And so we absolutely, in fact, I'm praying with my family these days, we're praying for peace, uh, in Russia and the Ukraine and in Europe. We're praying for the gospel to go forth. We're praying for God to use some of these crisis moments to help people turn to the only one that can help them, the Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're praying for the salvation, a revival to break out in Russia and the Ukraine and Europe. And we're praying for wisdom and God's hand upon each of these leaders. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I think that's the thing that sometimes we do oftentimes miss through scenarios like this because you get bombarded with so many political perspectives and the news can, you know, there's just so many different perspectives that are thrown our way. But the one that that we oftentimes need to be reminded of is the spiritual aspect that is happening yeah. underneath all of this. And there's always something that can come from this, which is being able to spread the gospel, the yeah. light of the of the Lord through uh, to the world through this. So, man, thanks so much for uh, for your time. This was great. Um, it was a crash course. I hope you guys have been able to. <laughs> it's a good half speed exactly. on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And the good news is, it is a podcast. You can pause, write yep. some answers down. Oh yeah. Uh, and they, again, just to remind you, if you do have questions, just email us at questions at ownit three sixty five dot com, and we'll try to get to those um, on one of our episodes. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, anything else you want to say? Ben's a rock star. I mean, that's all I think I would say. Is it? No. <laughs> I'm far from a rock star. <laughs> I'm a pebble star. There you go. There you go. You guys have a great week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Church and the Own It 365 resources, go to visitgracechurch.com.